And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. I'm Sleep Dog with the Big Hulk. What's up, everybody? It is the Big Hulk. And we have an amazing podcast for you. We have a very, very special guest. Um... Sleep, you want to introduce him or you want me to introduce him? I think him? you should introduce him, All right. We have an amazing, amazing person, but also a great teammate, national champion, extremely, extremely great Tar Heel, Marcus Ginyard. Welcome to SHWW. Thanks for coming on. Man, thanks for having me, guys. Dude, we got a huge audience. There are five people in this room. Thank you for all five of you. Six people. Is there six, six, six people in this room and there's five people online? Let me tell Damn, you, I'm still Double super, digits, baby. I'm still super you happy pumped you're here? to be here. <laughs> Anyway, man, thanks for coming. Glad to have you. Dude, we're getting into all kinds of stuff. Dude, we usually talk about a lot of things that we plan about 30 seconds before, and we don't even have that for us this time. So Wonderful. we're going to get into uh, probably a lot of the stuff about you uh, okay. because that's uh, going to bail us out, and usually that's what we need. We got Tar Heels uh, with a big W against Virginia last week. We got to start there uh, because I think we both stayed for the whole game, and it was a big deal. Found out me and Pablo. Pablo, uh, shout out over here, our, our uh, producer that's got all this uh, technology surrounding us plugged in correctly. Um, <laughs> he, I found out, is literally his season tickets on the same row as mine. Pretty wild. Uh, very rare that old Sleep Dog does two things. One, stays for the whole game. Two, stays awake for the whole game. I did both. <laughs> we throttled Virginia in the second half, at least. And how, what did you think of our performance, Big Hawk? Because... I, don't know, I was glad to see us win. We needed uh, we needed to beat uh, just anybody in Virginia after what they did when we came up there. MG, did you go to the game? I did go to the game. That was the first game that I've been to in, I think, three years. So I was super, super excited to be there, man. And, of course, glad that we got the win. Three years. Whew, spotted wow. a trend. What's the first Do you time watch the games? Been there two years? I don't. I normally don't watch the games. It's a little tough for me catching some of these games uh, when I'm in Europe. So... Haven't really seen many games, but obviously been following been following the Tar Heels over the years. Haven't been the biggest Carolina football fan. I'll be honest with you. Well, it's, that makes two of us. It, one in of which is not me. What aspect do you mean well, fan? Like, do you uh, do you? I mean, do you uh, you just not watch the games, or you just you just hadn't really paid attention, or you just don't like the team? No, that's definitely not I'm the kidding. case. <laughs> that's definitely not the case. So I am uh, originally from just outside of Washington D.C. So grew up uh, as a Redskins fan. Well, Redskins supporter, let's say. So Washington football team right now. Yep. I think in our history, it's been a lot of hype mm-hmm. and a lot of disappointment. And so that's kind of how I felt about our football team in the mm-hmm. past. I'm super excited about it. I want us to be great. I feel like we have the potential. And I just don't feel like it's really materialized consistently the way that we all hope. So it's been a little tough. Now, do I love my Tar Heels? Of course. No doubt about it. I'm going to be behind you. I may not be, you know betting on you <laughs> but i'm happy if we win man for sure but uh, i've been super super excited about what i've seen so far okay virginia tech tough start to the season but i'm excited wednesday uh excuse me the game against virginia phenomenal yeah phenomenal. max max brought a great enthusiasm and the fans have kind of followed that for uh the football program and there's been a lot of people jump on board with that that uh in the past has hasn't Always followed the team, you know, and and Carolina fans, we 
seems like a recurring theme. All right, this is our year. This is our year. And we come out and we get smacked in the face at the beginning of this season. And it's uh, definitely hard. But, uh, you know, the win was good for us because it was quality opponent, ACC. So, hey, we'll see what happens. Um, so Yeah, Virginia always seems to have our number, <clears throat> which is – that was always good. I think we had beat them since 16, which is crazy. Maybe that's wrong because another thing we don't do a lot of is uh, fact check here. But uh, <laughs> fact checkers over there, maybe she can look that one up for us. I don't think we've won at least in Keenan against Virginia in a long time. We'll just uh, ambiguously state that. And it didn't look like after we jumped out to a huge lead that we we're going to win again. And in the second half, we finally got it together, finally got a third down stop for the first time about, I don't know, a decade, and wound up winning convincingly, which was awesome because now you roll in. Florida State doesn't look good. Miami's out of the top 25. Just like old Sleep Dog predicted after I made my initial prediction that we're going to go undefeated, now we're going to show up at Notre Dame uh, with one loss on our record, and Miami keeps losing, so we win that game. We're still going to win the national championship. Heard it here first. You know who else, Marcus, is also a Washington football team fan? Talk to me. Sleep Dog. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I know your pain, man. I grew up in Southeast Virginia, and, dude, there is uh, few greater pains than than being a Washington football team fan, but um, – yeah, and that's a great, great correlation. So it's fun time. Uh, Tar Heel fans out there having a great time, showing up at the games. Mass, no mass. White claws for sale. They're like 22 ounces. You just hammer them all game. Doesn't matter if you win, lose, or draw. You hell of a discount going oh, yeah. on there, Keenan. <laughs> oh, yeah, how much are those things going? Uh, uh, it's in between six and eight. It's somewhere, it's in I between don't know, six Carolina and Inn, They have the... Uh, <laughs> You have to make a life choice whether you want a light call or you want to go into debt before you buy one. <laughs> uh, they're $8 there. Oh, but, uh, yeah, so uh, it was good, man. Me and MG, we hung out before the game. Sleep Dog was there, too. Uh, we got after it a little bit. Um, but, uh, man, it was good to have you back. I mean, Absolutely. I don't, I don't think we've been to a football game together maybe since school, huh? Since 2009. I, I don't remember. So Eight. it's it's that's crazy. It's been long enough, that's for sure. It's it's tough, man. It's tough not to be here for for a lot of these these types of events, man. You know, especially having been to school here and that been part of what we did for so long. Um, so I'm just super happy to be back in Chapel Hill. So you you've always come back to Chapel Hill, and it's kind of been your home. And this place has definitely been something special for you. Um, what does Chapel Hill like? In you know you've. Guys, I, I, we've got a lot of catching up to do with Marcus. He's played overseas. Uh, how? What year is this? I just finished year 11. Wow. Year 11. And has it all been kind of Europe? And Yep, 99.9% of it. I played a few months in the G League up in New York, but uh, yeah. mostly in Europe, yeah. So do you miss uh, Chapel Hill when you're overseas? And what's it like when you get back? Is it like a good experience because then you get a taste of it? Or is it like a, a thing where, damn, I wish I wouldn't have come – come back to Chapel Hill because now I know what it feels like to be here and I'm going to miss it more. Um, it's, it's always been great to be back. Uh, since I came to school here, it really became home to me. Um, so coming back every summer after spending 10, 11 months in Europe was, was great. It was a great reset, uh, especially in the earlier years, uh, you know, closer to finishing school. But even later, I mean, it was 2017 that I decided to buy a house here in Chapel Hill. Uh, one of the best decisions that I think I could have made. So it's always nice to have this as a home base, a, a place to touch down, especially after spending so long. But this year, well, I didn't come home in the summer of 2020. So, mm -hmm. you know, just being able to be back at, at a place that, that feels good, that you have great memories, that you have a support system where my family is, part of my family, 
Um, yeah, it's for me, it's it's hard to explain, man. But I love it. So those, so everyone out there, I know Marcus. We've lived together uh, all through college, and I kind of feel like our relationship. It's almost like we've kind of grown uh, together, and our relationship has continued to grow. Uh, but Marcus, I mean, he is very ad- adaptable. Like for those people who don't know Marcus, like going to Europe for a lot of people would be that would be tough. And Marcus and for the people who don't know the overseas dynamic, being away on holidays, not seeing your family, uh, that's tough. And I, I can attest to that because I've been over in China and what it feels like to be uh, sitting in a hotel room getting ready for a game on Christmas Day. Marcus has gone through that for 11 years, and that's not easy, especially if you throw COVID into that. I can't imagine what was going through your mind. Uh, now, you didn't come back for a whole year, right? Right, During- exactly. So it, it actually turned out to be about 16 months that I spent in Europe before I was able to come home. I, I was lucky enough for my, my team to allow me to go home for Thanksgiving um, last year. And when I got home, it had been 16 months since I've been home. And I spent about a little less than five days here in mm. the States in between DC, Smith Mountain Lake, back to DC. Um, so that was, you know, that was pretty tough. Pretty tough. So you were in France last year? In France for the last two seasons. Okay. Yep. And where where all in Europe have you been? Like, do you have any favorite, like where has been your favorite spot? Mm. And what has been... Uh, the whole overseas process in a very, very summarized. Cause I mean, when yeah. people ask me that, it's like, oh boy. Yeah, that's a tough um, one. <clears throat> that's a tough one. So just out of the places that I've played, um, Germany and France stand out. So I played in nine different countries, uh, you know, Germany, Israel, Ukraine, Poland, France, Romania, Macedonia. Okay, this goes on. Um, but out of the places that I've visited over that time, I mean, Germany's still up there. I love Berlin. Um, obviously, you know, Paris is nice, but I found a nice little spot in the southwest of France. Uh, Biarritz, that's been a place that I've, I've loved a lot. Portugal's been great. I've been vacationing in Portugal for the last couple of years. So it's really tough to, to put my finger on one spot, man. I've been really, really blessed to, to see a lot of beautiful things and a lot of things that, man, some people only dream of seeing and doing. So mm-hmm. I'm just super thankful to have had that experience so far. So that's what I'm curious about, right? So I think a lot of people, you go to college, you come to Carolina, you're a great player at Carolina, a great team at Carolina. Everybody wants to play in the NBA. Take me through when your career's over at Carolina, and obviously you did the G League for a a stint there, and then um, that transition between Carolina, hopes of the NBA, winding up in Europe, and then now, I guess, juxtaposed against your whole experience there. Were you like sad when you first went over there? Were you excited? I mean, I'm sure it's a mix of emotions, but kind of take me through like where you landed. And then now that you look back on it, maybe like, you know, hey, did, did it work out like you like you thought it would? Before you answer, so Marcus, you actually had a red shirt year. Yeah. You stayed, he was an extra That's year right. at That's Carolina. Right. And uh, he was on the team. Got uh, one extra year at players. Yeah, 05. <laughs> we and got a whole episode uh, dedicated to it, dude. Nine, ten. Go back. So you graduate, like, officially left UNC in 2010. Right. And, yeah, go through that process at 2010. Yeah, so, you know, obviously, t- to your point, uh, having redshirted and having to come back in 2010 and, you know, following up after a championship year and, and, and having a team with still some – some good pieces and some good talent, but, uh, you know, a much younger team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously we did not have the type of results that, that we wanted that season. So that was already kind of tough getting into the professional ranks with that you know, right. kind of bad taste in your mouth. But 
I went to practice with the Bobcats before summer league. So there's a little ager right there, the Bobcats. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I worked out with them one time in the summer. Like I said, went down to start practicing with them before uh, summer league started in Orlando. And I mean, I just had, a, I mean, I knew I wasn't going to be on the team mm-hmm. in, in, in summer league and it was nice to have had that opportunity, but it never felt like that was going to materialize. And I remember being in the hotel room the same night that they told me that they were going to let me go. And my agent called and he said, Hey, we got a deal in Germany. I don't think I thought three minutes about it. I was like, all right, let's get the most amount of money we can get and tell me when I'm leaving. And looking back now, just kind of that trajectory that put me on that first domino that fell. Mm -hmm. I don't, I wanted to be a professional player. I wasn't necessarily set on playing in the NBA. I saw at a young age some things that basketball afforded me to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was 16 years old when a basketball took me to Brazil. Mm-hmm. That changed my perspective on what this game of basketball could do for me. So I always wanted to just make sure that I was using it as a tool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to do things that I may not have been able to do. And so for him to call me and say, hey, we got a job for you in Germany, why would I say no to that? You know. So I just said, hey, let's get the money that we can get and let's go. And then uh, looking back, man, that's one of the best decisions I've I've ever made. That's yeah. killer. So being overseas, when you're playing in Europe, you know, and the big Hulk, he's played in China and some other places, right? And like, is it true what they say that like over there, you're, I guess, like a bigger deal? Not not than like NBA players, but talk me through the lifestyle there. Like as a player over there, are you are you as popular? I mean, I get it. It's not soccer or football or whatever they call it, but like you know, you are, uh, there are like very passionate fan bases from what I understand. And maybe, you know, what countries are the more passionate versus the others? Are they all that way in Europe? Um, you know, what was kind of the experience like being a pro athlete in a foreign country? I yeah. guess? Um, it's a very interesting dynamic because one, generally everywhere you go, I think outside of Lithuania, maybe, I mean, everybody loves soccer before anything, mm-hmm. football. Everybody loves that before anything, you know, everybody grows up playing soccer, not everybody grows up playing basketball. Right. So there's already, I guess, a little bit of a subset in terms of, you know, sports fans, like it's a special set of fans, you know, that love basketball. And I think in Europe, there's maybe less fans, but I think their intensity, their loyalty, I mean, they're really tied to their cities, you know? Yeah. And so to have people whose grandfathers, you know, played for the team when he was younger and has been a fan of the team, and now here you are, third generation, you're from that same area. I mean, that's those are your teams, you know? All yeah. the teams, the basketball team there, the, the, the soccer team there, whatever yeah. it may be. So you do feel a lot of great energy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's not 24,000 people in the Dean Dome, but it's 5,000 people who are – really, really not only in love with the team, but in love with the city that it represents and in love, you know, with, with what that means to their family. I mean, that's a beautiful thing too. It, that's cool. MG, that's a beautiful perspective uh, that a lot of people can't grasp. Uh, you know, you put a lot of work into this game and a lot of people, for some weird reason to me, they have this mindset that if you don't make the NBA, then at some point, like it's, it's almost like a failure. And to me, hearing what you just said is like, that's no, it's not like it's a beautiful thing because you did it because you love the game and you took what, you know, you took the most from it and you made something from that. Okay. And everybody's path is different in basketball. You look at, 
you know, everybody, you know, where they play and how they end up there, everybody's path is different. It's not easy for anybody. And, uh, I really respect that. And I know it took a lot of, um, you know, hard work to get that. And it turned out to be a great, great, great opportunity for you. Um, but I have a question. Do you still love the game? Do you love the game? I do love the game. What I have, what I have realized over the last 11 years is that being a professional athlete means that you have to dig through more stuff mm-hmm. to access that love for the game. Yeah. Um, and that's what's been the most tiring over these 11 years. I don't think that my love for the game has changed at all. Yeah. But to your point, you know, not being here on, on Christmas for a decade, you yeah. know, not seeing my niece and nephew, who's six and 10 respectively, not ever seeing them blow out their birthday candles. Things like that start to weigh on you more and more and more, um, you know, as time goes on, or at least on me. Everybody's path is different. Like yeah. you said, everybody feels different. Everybody experiences life different. And for me, it's, it's, it's definitely wearing me down. It's definitely wearing me down. Yeah, and I always tell people is... I love, I love grinding. I know you work out a lot. Um, I love waking up, looking forward to going to the gym. The things about being a professional athlete that I don't like, uh, obviously being away from the family, being away on holidays. Um, it's like the four thirty flights, you know, you play a game and you can't wind down. You know, you play a game at seven o'clock at night, you're done at nine thirty ten. People don't understand that it takes it takes me at least five six hours just to like be be in a calm state to be able to go to sleep. Definitely. I may not go to sleep till two or three in the morning, and then I have to get up at four thirty to go catch a flight and go fly somewhere else. And then you got to practice. Uh, I don't like that aspect of the game, but I love game day. I love competing. I love waking up knowing that I'm going to go out here and uh, we're going to grind and try to play a game and win. Yeah, for sure. Um, but from that, do you still love like the aspect of grinding, waking up every day? Definitely. And from that? Definitely. And I think that that's just something that you can't really, I mean, in my personal opinion, it's something that's really hard to take out of a, a high-level athlete. You know, that's yeah. just kind of that, that motor and that drive is, is what has allowed us to, to get to this level, uh, you know, in athletics. And I think it's a beautiful thing to be an athlete, and especially if you can get to the, the higher ranks because it just prepares you so much for, for what life is going to be like after that. And it's, you know, I think that a lot of people don't even quite understand all of the skills that they've been putting together as high-level athletes that are going to translate for them, you know, off the court or off the field. Um, so there's just a lot of things that we, we can learn from sports. That I, I, couldn't ag- I couldn't agree more. And the reason I say that is because we haven't been in the business world, but we know what it takes to be successful. Mm-hmm. And we may not know the details of how every every operation is. We're going to have a big learning curve once we get there. We're going to have to work our way up. But we know how to work. We know how to grind. Absolutely. And uh, that's something that a lot of people nowadays, and especially given COVID, there's been uh, people who really don't you know, use COVID just to sit on the couch. Right. But we know what it's like. You work during COVID. You're away from the family during COVID. Yeah. Um, so that is something that will be super beneficial. And what are what what are some things that – how much longer do you want to play? Um, not much longer. That's for sure. Um, you know, uh, this conversation comes up quite often, you know, mm-hmm. as I'm 34 years old now. And like, like I said, just finished my 11th year playing. Um, it's hard to even say – maybe two more years, you know, 
it's possible, but that still seems kind of far, long, and and, and and pretty tough. So um, maybe another year if that opportunity comes in in, in the right way and uh, if that situation is right, maybe another year, maybe another two years, or maybe I don't go back Man, to play. At our age, you just don't know. You know don't. You're one bad <laughs> you step know. from having a bad back for three months. Yeah, guys. I mean, the grind really got to me after my sophomore year, the Croatan Cougars. I'll never forget it, man. I used to, you saying, like you said, man, you got to get up and catch some early flights, man. I was up, dad had me cutting the grass and shit. Um, you know, I, I think I went off one night for six, maybe seven, banged a three, hit a free throw, I think, one for four from the line. That was it, man. I just knew it was time four. to hang it up. You know what I mean? So I can respect it. I understand it. I mean, on a level that most people don't. And uh, anyway, yeah. So, uh, you know, some of us hang them up sooner than others. And I just happened to, uh, you know, I, I happened to take a few days off here and there. But um, no, nah, man, it's really cool, honestly, to hear you guys talk and, and exchange that because I think it's it's interesting for a lot of people. Your perspective is, is like super clairvoyant in the way you look at basketball, right? Not as a means to an end, but as a vehicle. And I think uh, that's one thing I guess I so so in all seriousness, I played baseball in junior college, and it's weird the mentality that people have, and I would imagine it's the same like D one, I mean D two, D three, lower rung D ones and stuff. And I just remember playing baseball with these kids, and they thought they were. I'm like, bro, you guys, we ain't going nowhere, bro. We got to figure out what the hell we're doing after this. We are not pro athletes, right? And and you see it a lot in high school. And we talked to Bob Fraser on a previous episode, and one of the things he was talking about was a big challenge as a coach is that all these kids have mixtapes now because of the internet and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, so they have this sort of, um, you know, heightened sense of self and, and then you're, pl- I, I don't envy these kids in the environment that they're in, right? And the constant struggle, the need they feel to be somebody bigger than, than who they really are. And that's something that I've always liked about you. You've always been really grounded about who you are and what your purpose is and really sure-footed in that. So it's just really, really interesting to hear that perspective. Then you backdrop it against this whole cultural experience that basketball has afforded you and it's just a really unique perspective that I'm sure a lot of guys in the NBA that have had hugely successful careers and made a whole lot of money probably envy right because you know sure the money and the fame and the parties and the this and the that but like I mean Tyler can probably speak to it that you know it's still just Detroit Sacramento you know Milwaukee like I mean (laughs) these are your stops not the south of France and, and Berlin and all these cool places to see other cultures and stuff like that. I guess some of those guys get afforded that. Uh, they can definitely vacation there, right? Certainly. You know yeah. what I mean? So, uh, But it's got to be cool to get kind of immersed in that and, and, and really just to get to meet probably so many different people with, with different perspectives on so many things. MG, I got a question. So you've played a lot of different places, and I see you've acquired like a taste for extremely fine wines. <laughs> Is uh is that kind of your thing? Is that what you did you come to now MG all right, so me and MG, I took my first recruiting visit uh to UNC and Marcus was on a recruiting visit too. Do you know what you uh we didn't drink that, uh, but when we got to school and uh <laughs> yeah, we, we drank a lot of school, water that it was like when I think we first got we to school. A lot of water on that. Yeah, 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 yeah we <laughs> hydrated water was hot uh, back then. Uh, <laughs> when we hydrated, you used to hydrate with Henny. Mm. Do you remember those days? Do you still drink the Henny or are you just a fine wine guy now? I do remember those days. Um, I don't remember them fondly. <laughs> those were... At least you remember them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what... I don't know what had me in that place. Bro, I remember when time. Hypnotic was cool. 
Okay, because like chingy and all these yeah, weird rappers. I, was, I would about. grab a beer. Then when you throw up, it would glow in the dark. A henny, and I'm like, how in the hell do you do it? I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking or doing. He's a man of culture. But no, I am not. Uh, I would be into Hennessy in a very different way right now, but I'm still not uh, into Hennessy. I'm Come on, mostly, man. Scale of one to ten, mostly though. drinking wine nowadays. Scale of one to ten, holy grail. When it hit, I mean, like back in, like in the moment. You can't look now as an old you know, it's just being fucking old. I, I want one right now. Yeah, I'm telling I mean, you, man. I, I'm telling you, those have, things hit different than anything you've ever had. The Holy Grail is amazing. People talk about Four Locos, and it's like, guys, come on, man. The you ain't never had Grail, a, it's a no homemade way. Four Loco. Four Loco. You, you ever, I've never had a Four Loco. I don't think you, I've ever had a Four Loco, nah. and I'm very happy Give, yeah. what do you, you So, uh, Holy Grails, what's your take on Holy Grails? We did a podcast on this. I, still to this day, don't know all the ingredients of a Holy Grail, but it's... Like I said, man, I want one right now, man. All I know is you throw what you throw a little Miller High Life on top. Every every rail liquor, Miller High Life, come on, s- uh, Sprite, where grenadine, do you, where do you go to wrong? the brain. Where I'm you telling you, it hits your bloodstream faster than uh, some very illicit drugs. Yeah, I tell you what, you just take me out to the railroad tracks and just <laughs> deadbolt my heels to the railroad track and just give me Holy Grail because that's what doing. And the basically same set thing. an alarm for six thirty in the morning um, and. Bam! That's what it's gonna feel like. But Dude. You're, you're a wine guy now. I am. Uh, is that something that you got uh, into in France, or just absolutely, something? man? I, I played in France for the first time in 2015, 16 season, um, and that year I drank more wine than ever. You know, I had never really drank wine in, in college. You know, maybe some super nasty stuff mm-hmm. that you know I, no, nobody I knew in college liked wine. Right. We were drinking Holy Grails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It so, came in a, unless it was in a box, right? <laughs> the box was good wine. So, um, you know, that, that first year in France, I really started to, you know, just to open my mind to this idea that this could be something that, that I like, this is something that I enjoy. And then for the last two years that I've been living in France, and some years in between as well, but but really the time that I spent in France was was really the, the, the catalyst to, to get me going in this direction to, to being... A wine enthusiast. What are we drinking tonight? Like, so the, before I even ask, before I even go down this road, there is perhaps no better whiskey review than one the Big Hawk gives. Because it's like, he sniffs it and he rolls it around and he's like, damn, this might be the best one I've ever had, you know, in, in sequence. That right? is, that, that <laughs> tends I love to be it. insane. Um, but, like... I ain't gonna lie, I don't know the shit either. And I'm just like, oh yeah, this tastes fine. But then a blind taste test, I don't, I don't, I don't fucking know. So, um, what are we drinking here? A, 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 a Bordeaux. We are drinking a Bordeaux from Damn. the left bank. Yes, sir. Uh, like the that, southern, like that Sleephawk Nation. Sleep the left bank. The left bank. So you know that in Bordeaux you got, I don't know, uh, what looks like to me is two rivers. I think it's just one. But anyway, we got some water right mm-hmm. that's splitting up two sides of Bordeaux. Um, left bank, right bank. So you got uh, Saint-Emilion, which you guys are probably familiar with. Oh, this totally. Appellation. Okay, this is right bank. Yeah, big Le- big fan of that. Le- left Salt side, you know, you got Saint-Julien, Margot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is south. Margot, that was south, uh, Simpsons. Left, yeah. Bordeaux. Okay. Um, Pessac Lagnon. This is, uh, I mean, I prefer the, the wines from the left bank in Bordeaux. I love wines from Burgundy, though. Really, I love all wines. So, um, if you think about it, the left everything is left bank. If you just keep going far enough, if you just keep going, I feel like you're right. Kind of like everything east of the Miss, everything's east of the Mississippi. If you just keep going, 
right? It's also west. Unless you're Just a flat earther. Unless you're Kyrie. You go. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean... <laughs> No matter where you go, there you are is what we're getting to. Exactly. Dude, even just what you just said, you could be totally bullshitting the whole Sleep Hawk Nation. I'm here for it because it sounds so sophisticated. What year is that? This is 2016. Oh, nice. Good year. Last last good year. Uh, I think it was the last good Drake song came out in 2016 too. Oh, some Drake's album's good. You really believe that? I, I like his. You no, like I'm his not gonna lie. I'm trying, to act, I'm trying to be hard, you know, because everybody thinks you're yeah, soft that, if you might, like Drake, no, but I like Drake. Kanye like, has oh, like God. his album hadn't been good since we've been in college. Should have named that shit Dunda because um, his career is done. <laughs> ah, that shit sucks. MG, you're also a cigar uh, yeah. savant. No, 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 no. <laughs> Again, maybe, and I'm not even a cigar enthusiast, but certainly not a wine connoisseur. I'm a wine enthusiast. I love drinking wine. I love exploring wine. Cigars became very interesting to me, uh, especially during this time um, in COVID where we were, I mean, it's so interesting to hear people in the States even mention lockdown, mm-hmm. right? This word. Oh, lockdown. yeah, yeah, right, right, but right. In France, we were legit locked down. My parents spent some time in Italy. So, yeah, while it, during COVID. Exactly. Yeah. So they, they know. Um, yeah, and it just, and it pairs so well. With wine and whiskey, as you as you know. Oh yeah, I guys, I used to love cigars as well. I don't drink, I don't smoke them anymore, but yeah, I, I like a nice cigar. I Can't do too. Lie. It's very relaxing. Um, For me, I just love that it's. Um, it it just seems so perfectly timed mm-hmm. to smoke a cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's guys that that smoke cigars super fast and guys that smoke cigars super slow, but I think just your average pace of smoking a cigar is a, is a great moment. To spend with somebody, to have oh, a yeah. glass of wine, to have a glass of whiskey, to have a conversation. And for me, it's just, it, that's pay, the part of it that I like. Got to pay close attention to the wind direction, though. Am I the only <laughs> one you smoke a cigar, dude? If you're not careful, that smoke starts getting in your eyes, bro. And you can just be called out as a rookie. Because sometimes I'll smoke cigars on a very rare occasion. And like the wind's always blowing in my face or something. And a smoke, it catches you up in your eyes. And man, it's hard to walk that one off. Like, you know, if you, I don't know. Like it's almost worse than worse than like coughing on it or something because it starts getting your eyes and you're just like trying to play it off like yo but you got to go to that thing in the science classes you know wash your eyes out um, what's the secret to what is this I'm, I'm just being honest here like what is the secret to smoking a cigar like correctly I feel like I can light it and then I'm all excited because I'm like yeah see, you might see? not be lighting then, it right there's and then a, I hit that sucker and boom it. right in my eyeballs I watched probably like a 20 minute YouTube video one time just on lighting a cigar it's a great idea I mean, it's there, again, there's a lot that you I can don't burn know about the cigar if you light it. Like really? it can overheat mm-hmm. it. I get. I like getting the butane torch. And just, <laughs> yeah, the butane <laughs> torch is very nice. <laughs> just by the time that sucker's lit, it's like halfway to my chin because I like lit the whole damn thing like a like a tree limb. Um, yeah. Anyway, dude, that stuff is uh, is, is is super cool. Um, yeah, I wish I wish I knew more to to contribute to the sophistication, but I just drink it and smoke it. I mean, you you should try a good cigar one time. I've had some Cubans. I actually have. When I was last time I was in Denmark, dude, I got a Cohiba that as long as a T-ball bat. In Denmark, yeah, in Denmark, yeah. And I uh, I hit one. They had this nice little seating area. Actually, one of the few bottles of Blantons I've found in the last five years. I was in Denmark. Literally brought it back from Denmark. They had this place. I'm sitting down there. The whole smoking the eyes trick. We're sitting in this like room. We smoke this huge this is an $85 cigar. I'm in freaking down. Like, well, who cares, right? I get up to leave and I'm like, bro, I don't know if I'm going to find my way home here. A little busy. Um, it's yeah, not I was like, everybody. My brain was a hot air balloon. Um, 
Anyway, man, yeah, the it, culture is extraordinary. MG, I look at your Instagram, man. You got style. And yeah, you have very good fashion. Tell us about that. Dude. Yeah, what? How? I mean, what is this? Like, uh, how do you? Have you always been that way? Because in college, I mean, I could tell you weren't a bad dresser. <laughs> I felt like you had some style. I was but a terrible dresser in college. You should have seen this. Okay, guy. I didn't want to say that, but yeah, guys, <laughs> we all went through that phase. Yeah. Uh, you were bad, but I don't think you were as bad as me and Fraser. Uh, with some of the, sh- the shit that we had on, but yeah. yeah, but I look at you now, I'm like, God dang, MG got it going on. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. That certainly means a lot, man. Thank you. Um, but you even look good now. Like, thank you. Just your style and the way you, you fit your clothes. Um, tell us, like, what is it's, that? A, it's the Euro fit, man. It's the Euro fit. Is I that, like things God, a little. I need to go to Euro. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> I like um, things a little, a little tighter. Just a little tighter. Just a, a touch shorter. I don't need a five X. LRG t-shirt anymore. <laughs> Starter jacket. Um, My shit's tight, but for different reasons. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a, I mean, it's been a journey, but I mean, I have to say that I uh, have a lot of, um, you know, influence from my time in Europe mm-hmm. and, and seeing how, um, you know, just the culture around fashion and just getting dressed. It's a, it's a different concept to me yeah. than how I grew up, you know? Like, yeah, we wanted to look nice and do, you know, things like that. But, um, yeah, it's just a, a different mentality and seeing people get dressed to go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. you know? But just, I think it just speaks to a, a larger idea of just, like, how you present yourself to people, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that, man, that's something that's just become a little, I've been thinking about it differently yeah. as I've gotten older. And, again, you know, with that time that I spent in Europe and, you know, seeing that Euro cut and, being very lucky to have parents that gave me great genes mm-hmm. and to have worked hard to, in my personal opinion, I think I got great ankles. Ankles. So I want to make sure. Show them off, very man. good body. You got him. See what I'm saying? So no, ain't tricking if you got him. Like you know what I mean? Respecting MG in a certain way. <laughs> and, my ankles uh, are all right, dude. I'm comfortable with myself. Yeah, you do have you do have very good genes, and you you work out hard, and you have a great body. Thank you, um, So, yeah, you're able to pull that off at our age. Um, <laughs> Everybody's getting me it's getting uncomfortable right here on Sleephawk Worldwide. Uh, good thing we got these two guys setting apart from each other. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, hey, listen, do you guys take naps? I'm gonna break the ice. Ooh, do you yes. guys take naps over there? T- big, well, ca- big napper. My favorite part about I'm Europe. a, I'm a huge. Well, I hold have on, been. napping is a Europe thing, bro. Are you kidding me? MG is that Europe thing? I, 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 I guess everywhere I have in America. Taking the vast majority of the naps in my life while I was in Europe. Wow. I've become a big fan of napping. I haven't done it so much recently, but even today, man, I took a solid two-hour nap. We'll siesta, man. And you know what's interesting to me? Sorry to cut you off. Is that Americans think that everybody else is lazy because they take naps. Mm. And I never met anybody as lazy as Americans. It's just the re- – you just got to hit the reset button, <laughs> man. It. Just take a little recharge. Yeah. I mean, generally, if I were to take a nap, which I always thought was crazy, by the way, in school, Coach Williams <laughs> – I'm he I mean this is public knowledge I feel like but he would take little like 15 minute naps man I think sometimes even less than 15 wow. minutes and I used to think that that was so ridiculous how can you possibly mm-hmm. get anything out of a 15 minute nap yeah. but honestly right now 20 to 45 minutes for me is like that is a, a wonderful recharge. time to close my eyes oh yeah so and I think it makes a difference I uh I take a nap about every afternoon after lunch for about 15 20 minutes and, that's uh, it, man. That's big fan of the hour or two variety myself, yeah, man. I ain't gonna lie, buddy. I lay down, watch some forensic files, and 
<laughs> next thing I know, damn, damn sun's going down. But I, hey, I try to stay. Uh, I mean, under an hour for sure. Man. And once you man. get to the hour, man, it's that's not the easiest ones to bounce back. Yeah, but yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. oh, recharge. So what is uh, what what are you thinking? Uh, let's just get to it. Let's talk about. Um, let's get to it. Your thoughts on Coach Williams retiring and. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, you played for him for five years, and uh, what what did he? Uh, what kind of impact do you think he had on your life in a very like uh, you know simplistic? Man, there's there's no way. I mean, there is a way, but it's hard to be simple about that. I mean, it, man, it's tough to think that that he's not at he's not at the front of of Carolina basketball. Now, yeah. this is. Just from my experience, you know, I can imagine that that some of the guys that played for play for Coach Smith felt the same way, you know. But it's just like it's so surreal even now. Um, even after spending time with with the current guys and, and mm -hmm. with Hubert, uh, it's still just so crazy to me that that he's not the head coach. But to answer your question, man, he has had a monumental impact on not only the player, but I, I mean, that's awesome. You know, but just as a yeah. person, the the things that I've learned from him uh, on just how to be uh, a, still a, a young man in this world. I mean, we can't. We need a whole another episode for that. Yeah, it's just a, been a, a beautiful blessing to have been a part of the program, and and especially with with Coach Williams and having him being influenced by Coach Smith. And so we really got <laughs> a lot of that. You know, through Coach Williams, which was also amazing. You know, you can't you can't discount that as well. So, I'm just super happy to have been a part of that program when he was here. And I still, I mean, we were just talking the other day on uh, on Marco Polo, trying to you know remember all these quotes that we had before practice. You know, that that seems so. We didn't understand them the way that we do now. We understood them, but like just to think about some of the things that we talked about during practice, even that had nothing to do with basketball. Really, I mean, they could be applied to basketball, but really, it was just about how we we're going to live our life, how we we're going to be men in this world. And I can't say enough good things about Coach Williams. I just can't. And so we, we're on Marco Polo, and <laughs> we're talking about you can't change the direction of the wind, but you can change the direction of your sails, right? I think that's a quote. You can't control the wind, but you can adjust your sails. Yeah, and I was trying to get that quote uh, down, but I still mixed working it up, on it. And uh, yeah, still haven't got it. But I uh, just told everybody, I'm not a damn sailor, so uh, I just know when shit's not going your way, just make the most of it. Uh, but there's another one. You know, it's uh, that's a good, that's a hell of a question. Someday somebody's gonna paint that on a wall somewhere. This <laughs> shit ain't going your way, just make the most of it. Uh, but uh, oh shit, we're about uh, to have to make the most of no, but liquor on the hey, floor. Hey, MG, MG makes a great point, um, and uh, you know, it's it's gonna be different not seeing Coach Williams on the sidelines um, for us because we played for him, but also for a lot of Carolina fans because that's what we're used to. And a lot of great moments are tied to uh, tied to that program with him as a head coach. Uh, but Hubert's going to do a great job, and I'm excited about Hubert. Uh, I th I'm looking forward to him, and you know I can't wait to see what he does, and I'm, I'm excited for him. But uh, back to our days um, – Coming in at UNC, and I always say this, like, 
I didn't know how, like at the moment we're, we're in college and we're just kind of going to school. And now that we graduated, I didn't realize how big the UNC family connection and being part of this program was until probably after I graduated. And uh, you have the family atmosphere and things you've reached out to. And, you know, Phil Ford's one of those guys that I talk about, that I talk to a lot. And he's, he's one of the best Tar Heels, in my opinion. Um, and uh, I just love talking to Phil. And I think he's an amazing dude. And he's one of the best Tar Heels to me. But, you know, how, what does the, you know, being part of this university uh, and playing here and coming back here now that you've gotten older and you kind of graduated and we can tell these stories to these young kids back in the day, this is how we did it. You guys got it easy now. Uh, you know, how does it feel now coming back now that you're much older? Uh, it's different. It's, it's definitely different. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, that look uh, a world away from, from what it looked like when we were here. I don't want to go so far as to say that these guys have it easy. I think <laughs> that they have it easier, which I'm a fan of, you know, or, or maybe, not necessarily easier, but they they have certain things and and the ability to have certain experiences that that we didn't have, and I think that that's just kind of part of growth. And I'm happy that that things look different for them than they did for us. Um, and again, I want to just piggyback on what you said about Coach Davis because I know that you know I obviously spoke so highly of Coach Williams, but again, that is still very separate than how I feel about Hubert Davis. And I am I'm a hundred percent through the roof right now mm -hmm. about him being the new head coach. I agree. And I am super excited about what they got going on. I remember Hubert when we were in school. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you not have a memory of Hubert practicing with freshman us? Freshman year. Okay. We didn't have enough people on the team. Exactly. Him so, and King Rice came back and played with us. So and, we, we've known this guy. I mean, yeah. of course, he's part of this family community and, uh -huh. and, and this – the special special fraternity that we have at Carolina basketball and at UNC, but I mean, we we really we spent time on the court with him, you know. Yeah. So it's it's a really cool bond that we've already had with Hubert and that we've you know continued to have over the years, and, and now mm -hmm. with him as the head coach, it's it's phenomenal, and I'm I'm super super stoked. Oh yeah, yeah. I think everybody's expecting big things out of him. It'll be unreal expectations. It's big shoes to fill. One of the coolest things about Roy Williams to me, and you know, the kind of same thing with with Dean Smith was. All the people like me that didn't play sports or basketball or anything like that, it's just profound, like, the impact he had with people like me. Just watching him, how he carried himself, you know, the things he did. Um, you know, it's just – it's. It, you, I think we're all lucky to basically have had, I don't know, 50 years of great coaching with, you know, the one interruption that really wasn't even that fair, you know, the, the way that they kind of treated Matt Doherty, I think, when he came in. Um, but, you know, between – Dean and then Bill Guthridge was such a good guy. And then, you know, you, you transitioned shortly thereafter to Roy Williams. Now you got Hubert Davis. I mean, it is one thing that in all the ebbs and flows of, you know, the, the turmoil that UNC has been through from academic standpoint and those sorts of things, like to have those guys, I mean, uh, you know, programs, you look at the programs that have lost those those cornerstone coaches. You look at UCLA, you look at, I don't know, uh, Kentucky, right? They after after Wooden, after Rupp, I mean, they've had good coaches, right? But have they had just stalwarts for, you know, a half century? So I think a lot of times we, fans get pissed because Roy doesn't call timeout. I'm sure fans used to get pissed at Dean Smith for, you know, running four corners or whatever it was. Like Fans are always going to complain. But we're really lucky to have had, you know, such a long run of of just, you know, 
really admirable people at the helm. And I think we got another one, Hubert Davis, who, you know, is going to stand on a, on a whole different pedestal for a number of reasons. So really excited about the team. Number one recruiting class until the other day when I think Kentucky got, uh, got another five-star. But, I mean, dude, he's right in the thick of things. I hate the recruiting stuff. Things I hate. Uh, recruiting class rankings and when the schedule comes out. It's like, dude, who gives a shit? Like, let's play and right. see what we got when I we got it. I give a shit. Now, Tyler we, we loves can, the schedule we coming We can out. beat Duke. Uh, the last game of the year in Cameron and hand K and L before he finally Great sits segue. Down. So I do care about that schedule, but we already knew that was going to happen. And the rest of the schedule is like nobody cares. But I do want to hear your opinion on that. Big Hawk has made his his opinion known. Everybody knows I hate Duke. Um, and but Coach Casey stays you, more than Duke. It's the question: Do I hate Duke right now? Well, I mean, you can answer that. Well, I'll lob that one up there for you. I mean, um, but the other one too. Unequivocally, yeah. Uh, you heard it here first. Breaking news: Sleephawk Worldwide. Marcus Skinyard, <laughs> not a Duke fan. Um, but the Coach K, his his, um, his exit strategy, we'll call it, as opposed to to yeah. Coach K. What do you think of that? Not not necessarily his exit strategy. Your whole, you know, Coach K is retiring at the end mm-hmm. of the year. I just love your perspective. I don't want to lead you down some yeah. path. Um, to be quite honest with you, um, I think what makes the hatred for Duke and any other school for mm-hmm. that matter, NC State, you're in there. Um, what makes that so good? And for me, as a, I mean, I guess I'm getting to be a, an old school guy now. <laughs> um, Closer to 40 than you are 20. You know what I mean? So, golly. There's respect there. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's respect. You cannot deny the numbers, the career, and the impact that he's had on, on his players. Mm-hmm. That was not – I chose to have a different experience with a different coach, and for whatever reason, that also doesn't matter. But I think – I mean, it just – it hurts to me, you know. Like, mm-hmm. I, it, it felt a little funky the way mm-hmm. that it went down. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you got two legends, two legends that, you know, that, okay, I guess announced at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll be – I'll be excited to see what the new Duke Carolina rivalry looks like yeah. with another coach and another energy, and you know what I mean. Yeah. Those, those things are exciting to watch too. Kind of that that new energy, even yeah. if it's not here at Carolina. But um, I mean, I, I don't think too much about it to be quite honest. Yeah. We swept them last year. This is what I this is what I'm worried about. You know, like I, I just want to see what happens on the court. Mm-hmm. Those are especially since it's not Coach Williams or Coach Davis or somebody that's directly connected to me. That's news that you guys can consume and enjoy. You know, I just, I'm just worried about if we beat Duke. Yes, which we will. Who, I don't care who's. We made say. that prediction. Big Hawk made that prediction. Uh, I don't know, a few weeks. So yeah, we can unequivocally say we broke that story that we're going to win um, in about a year and a half or whenever the hell that game takes place. I'm with you, man. Like I don't, you know, I hate it because it's he's Mike Krzyzewski and it's Duke. But at the end of the day, man, like you also have to look at it from a program perspective. I definitely think that there is something superficial under there that he wants this big ass farewell tour, but you know, and it's a perfect storyline because you can argue that, Hey man, we're trying to get the next in command prepared and all that. And I do think that in some regard, if you're Mike Krzyzewski, you understand the pressure that's going to come after you. So give that guy the reins, but it's something about the guy that you saw. always let Chris Collins do the halftime interview. I'm like, bro, come on, man. Like what's, what's, what gives here? But Hey, listen, man, we're going to just smoke them, uh, in Cameron. One on, uh, what is it, eight on five when all the refs are... Uh, it's not going to be easy. Baycott's going to have seven fouls by the time the 
the opening tip because, uh, you know, that's just what they do uh, when we go there. But persevere, dude. Like you said, when things – what was it? When, when shit's not going right. When shit's not going right, just make the best, right, of, it, the best like that. of it. And that's what we're going to do at, at – uh, yeah, dude, that's what we're gonna. Not that's not what that's what that. Hubert's gonna tell him for you. Run out there, <laughs> MG. Thanks, thanks for coming on here. Is there anything that you want to like uh, share that, um, being overseas or playing at UNC that you want the uh, the people that listen to our podcast that I want? I always ask. Like know. we had the yeah. guy, um, you know, Raleigh Jeans, um, Victor. Yeah, Victor. We had Victor on here, and I said, uh, "Do you have any advice for people coming, you know, up and coming entrepreneurs, or any advice that you give to young people trying to pursue basketball, or just life advice that you uh, you care for to to share with something that you uh, has meant something to you that you really like, or you know, just something, or you could just be like, no, I mean, I'm good." Man, I'm not not prepared, but I, I definitely want to try to take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah, dude. I feel like I got the That's whole. It's a great question from the, the big whole hall. world watching. Some Dan Rather shit there. right I now. I mean, you've been such a successful guy. Walter fucking and you've right had, you know, you've lived a life that not a people, not many people are going to live. Not no, many no, people no. get to go to Europe and play basketball and do what they love and make the most of it. Not many people get to come to UNC uh, and play and be a national champion and uh, you know be part of great teams and play for such a great coach. And is there anything in your life that has really helped you or something that you've kind of lived by that you think other people could learn off of? Yeah. Um, I think that one small thing is a a tattoo that I got um, 15, yeah, 15 years ago this September. I think it was early September. I got the same tattoo with my mother, which happens to be something that uh, my godmother uh, told me. She told me, be true to you. And so um, that's something that I got tattooed on my, on my wrist, be true to you. Something that I try to think about every day and just kind of the, the, the person that I am is just really being yourself, you know? And, and for me, I was very thankful. I'm very thankful to have had, you know, great parents that, that taught me great, great values. And I saw, I saw the good in those values, you know, it wasn't just something that I was taught. I actually saw that these were things that, that created, positive things for me and for the people around me. And so I just wanted to continue to be myself, continue to be somebody who's trying to, who's trying to spread love, you know, who's trying to sp- spread good energy, who's trying to help other people. Um, and to your point on this quote, isn't necessarily the way that I'd say it, but, you know, just make the best of, of, of all the things that you have uh, available to you, you know, and in that process, just try to help somebody have an experience that you had that you liked or try to help them have an experience that, that you didn't have, you know, and really just this idea of, I mean, really what we learn as athletes, man, just play hard, play smart, play together, right? Like mm-hmm. let's try to win this game together. Let's all have a good attitude, help each other. And and things are going to look good for everybody in your circle when you have that type of mentality, you know, it's amazing what can be accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit. Yeah. Like let's go try to do something together. Uh, it's a, I've been helped so much on my journey. So it just doesn't make sense to, to live life, you know, uh, in this kind of solo mindset. Like, let's, let's get together and start helping each other out, man. It's a great message. Love it. That is great. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Absolutely, it's, dude. We it. appreciate you showing you, up. You're always welcome on uh, SHWW. Man, thank you're you. my Anytime. guy. Thank you. You'll always be my guy. I'm so thanks for coming on that. here. I'm coming back, guys. And, uh, and old sleep hawk, uh, old sleep hawk lesson, man. It's like a proverb, sleep hawk worldwide proverb. You know what we do next, right? Stay.
Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe.